This is a story about the one that got away. Several years ago, completely out of the blue, I got an email from a young entrepreneur named Mike Katchen, who was looking for some help developing content for his startup. I was unfamiliar with the firm, but like most content marketing consultants, always eager for new work. We set up a meeting, and a few days later, I found myself in the firm's fairly nondescript headquarters with little more than a few rows of desks and two offices at the back. I liked Mike Katchen immediately. He was trying to become one of the early entrants in a market for a new kind of investing service. Instead of having a private wealth manager, which is usually only open to those with a considerable fortune, Katchen's startup was creating a mobile app that would use a sophisticated algorithm to help recommend manage and analyze investments for as little as $5,000 Canadian as a starting point. These kinds of services are nicknamed robo-advisors, and they represent a way to appeal to a segment of customers that weren't necessarily getting served by a traditional bank. After presenting an initial proposal in content strategy, Katchen, who agreed his firm would need, quote, a kick-ass blog, introduced me to someone he had hired to handle marketing. Although he was nice enough, it was pretty clear from the outset that we didn't really have the same sensibilities from a storytelling perspective. Maybe I just didn't understand what he wanted. Maybe I wasn't talented enough. At any rate, I wrote three blog posts for him and we parted ways. Probably, yes, less than a year later, Katchen's startup got an enormous investment from another financial institution and has since become one of Canada's most talked about and admired startups in the local business circles. That marketing team member, meanwhile, is long gone and has since been replaced by what must be an outstanding team based on the digital publication it has now been producing and expanding as its business grows. Although part of me wishes I would have been part of this success story, I have absolutely no hard feelings and hope you won't detect even a hint of bias in the commentary that follows. This is Shane Shook, and I'm showing you why you're almost bound to get a payoff from reading Wealth Simple magazine. This is the Owned Media Observer. The Owned Media Observer is an exercise in applying media criticism to the branded content that takes an editorial approach to storytelling. This is a podcast for content marketers who want to do better work, for media professionals who want to size up their competition, and for audiences of all kinds who want to better understand all the new sources of information popping up everywhere around them. When I'm not making this podcast, I work as a journalist covering business and technology, and as a content marketing consultant helping some of the world's biggest brands and smallest startups influence the strategic thinking of their most valuable customers. You can find out more about me and maybe even work with me by visiting my website at shaneshick.com. I had been happy to see Wealthsimple becoming a breakout in the startup community, but I'll be honest in that I hadn't been paying much attention to how its blog was evolving. Then one day, I stumbled across a headline that said, Introducing the New Wealth Simple, which was published in late November of 2015. Written by Rudy Adler, the post was showcased on a site that looked nothing like the platform I had seen. His post touched on content marketing plans that were still to come, along with a new blog name, Grow, that was later abandoned in favor of Wealth Simple magazine. 
What makes this post still a great read almost five years later, though, is how honest Adler is about what Wellsimple had reflected on and learned about from its early mistakes and the temptation to follow industry norms. Quote, We decided early on that we wanted to make investing more human. Money can be cold, and financial institutions don't do a whole lot to help. They show us a lot of charts and talking heads and suits. And when we do see real people, they're not very real at all. It's usually cliche stock photography, like business owners with their arms crossed. Why are their arms always crossed? Adler asked. Quote, Somebody must have published a paper saying blues make people feel safe and greens make people think about money because 90% of finance brands, based on our sampling, use some combination of them as their dominant colors. We fell into the same trap and we lost our ability to have a unique voice. End quote. This is a really important point and one I want to dwell upon for a minute. One of the challenges for startups and almost every kind of business lately is the need to position themselves as innovative, disruptive, or both. Doing so can help you get attention from the media and maybe even money from investors, but when it's time to actually connect with your target audience, it can do you a disservice. Just think for a minute about the area Wealthsimple was trying to enter into, personal finance. A lot of us may not love our bank, but we trust them enough to give them our money because they've been around for, in some cases, more than 100 years. They're not one-trick ponies who have created an interesting application, but have a broad cross-section of services to choose from and physical branches where you can ask for help. Investing, in particular, is an area that poses considerable risk and could tap into fear and uncertainty, especially to consumers who don't want to lose their life savings on an unproven entrepreneurial venture. The term robo-advisor certainly didn't help here. Something that makes a company like Wealthsimple sound as chilly and remote rather than approachable and empowering. Besides the content that would eventually make its way into Wealthsimple magazine, the company also built upon the initial thinking laid out in Adler's post with a highly eye-catching and memorable advertising campaign with the tagline, Investing for Humans. If you lived in my hometown of Toronto, for example, you couldn't get on the subway without seeing a poster of what looked like a young dad that said, investing for people who have kids, next to an image of a woman that said, investing for humans who have brunch. The impact of these ads was to show that Wellsimple offers a tool that could be applied to almost anyone with a visible goal for their personal finances. This kind of marketing would have been enough to put Wealthsimple at the forefront of best practices. But what it has built with Wealthsimple magazine has been the equivalent of seeing a sharp uptick in the performance of your financial portfolio. It addresses the fact that even if investing is now possible for any human, there are some very human reasons why even the richest, most famous, and most powerful might still choose to avoid trying it. In a category like personal finance, your audience is probably going to have a lot of questions that need answering, unless they're already an expert. So it probably comes as no surprise that one of the sections in Wealth Simple magazine is labeled How To. In most blogs or content marketing efforts, these how-to sections tend to cover a lot of the fundamentals or 101 stuff. 
the sort of things you can easily summarize on an FAQ page on your website. Examples could include how much should I invest if I want to retire comfortably or what kind of return can I expect if I'm starting out investing later in life. These kinds of topics are covered in a separate section called Ask Wealth Simple. Instead, there are questions in the how-to section that the average person might never have considered, like a user's guide to participating or not in an IPO. I realize that doesn't sound like a question, but it is. For those who don't follow business markets closely, an initial public offering or IPO can represent a key moment where a young startup like, say, well, simple, goes from an entity with a valuation that was dreamt up by venture capitalists to one that makes those who take part in an IPO rich. It's a topic that not only educates the reader, but might inspire them to think about investing in a more sophisticated term than simply choosing a mutual fund. Other how-to content on Wealth Simple magazine includes Trade Wars, Should I Be Scared?, which delves into the economic uncertainty based on the standoffs between countries like the U.S. and China, and how to avoid the mom penalty, which is made up of factors like lower pay and fewer career opportunities. A lot of these questions hint at the worry and outright fear that people have about investing their money, and Simple magazine has best addressed that with a section that has now become so well-known that it could arguably stand as its own entity. It's simply called Money Diaries, and the list of those who've been profiled and interviewed for it sound like the guest list of the Vanity Fair Oscars party. Kim Kardashian, the late Anthony Bourdain, Bobby Brown, and star writers like Margaret Atwood and Eat, Pray, Loves Elizabeth Gilbert. This may be one of the most addictive and bingeable collections of content marketing ever created. Those featured don't really chronicle their day-to-day spending. In this case, the word diaries is supposed to imply an intimate, almost confessional account of how they've dealt with both good fortune and bad, often providing insight into the unique nature of being, say, a professional athlete, like Sugar Ray Leonard, who compares managing money to a fight and admits to indulging on golf clubs. Or Jonathan Van Ness, a hairstylist, who says he charges $250 a cut and stars on Netflix's Queer Eye, but who has to stop himself from impulse shopping. The stories on Money Diaries are told in the first person, though technically they are as told to by a professional journalist such as Zach Barron of GQ magazine. In a way, they reminded me of a long-running series in Esquire that was initiated by Cal Fussman called What I've Learned, which took a traditional Q&A and then removed the questions, editing the answers so that they have the warm conversational tone of someone talking only to one other person, or maybe reflecting back on their life in a diary. During an onstage appearance at a conference hosted by the magazine Fast Company, Wellsimple's executive creative director, Mike Giepart, explained why Money Diaries clicked with its audience. Quote, the more we were letting people be really honest about money, the more people were excited to talk about it, weirdly, he said. It's kind of freeing. Money Diaries is an object lesson for content marketers in creating an immersive experience because you can go to the bottom of the section and click load more again and again and be presented with an unparalleled variety of interview subjects. The series is also a great way to get ideas for creating compelling headline copy. 
More recently, for example, Will Simple has been moving away from celebrity subjects for Money Diaries and focusing on regular people, or those who at least aren't a household name that would automatically generate traffic. I'm going to have to include some examples, and it's hard to pick favorites. But some standouts include, how exactly do you make a fortune popping pimples on YouTube? How to get thrown down a flight of stairs for $500. A Nobel Peace Prize winner on the economics of slave labor. What do you do when the circus closes? And how I was conned by a fake German heiress. Wealth Simple magazine has a lot more than the money diaries, of course. Not just in terms of content, but in distribution channels and delivery. In 2018, for example, Wealthsimple went in the opposite direction of traditional publishers in that it went from online only to print. A blog post at the time addressed the obvious question, why? Well, we did it to celebrate the great stories you've been reading here, the company said. We did it because we want something that stuck around for a while and could be passed from person to person to spread the gospel of financial independence. Still, a print magazine is not unheard of for a marketing-led brand. It's what came next that really shows a level of creativity and commitment that sets Wealthsimple apart. In February of 2019, after already distributing copies of its print issue in the Globe and Mail, Wealthsimple launched Wealthsimple News, a custom newsstand it set up in major urban centers. You didn't just get a chance to pick up a copy of the publication, You also got a scratch ticket that offered a chance to win $500 to add to your Wealthsimple account. And to sweeten things even further, you could also get a free stick of gum. Although it's tempting to read an extract from one of the Money Diaries posts, I wanted to draw attention to another section of Wealthsimple magazine that should probably get just as much credit for innovative content. It's simply called Data. And it includes a series called Dumb Questions for Smart People. This one was an interview with an author named Anne Helen Peterson. And it not only makes you think about the nature of financial decision-making in a new way, but about how we judge the financial decisions of others, including those that that are at either end of a generation gap. This is called The Pioneer of Burnout Theory Tells Us About Millennials and money. Growing up, I always thought of burnout as something that happens to a political reporter after like 300 days on the campaign trail. They just collapse. I didn't understand that burnout is actually a sense of hopelessness. And one thing that prevents it is a sense of accomplishment. So if you think of a farmer who has to wake up early and do a long list of tasks every day, it's exhausting. But there are measurable ways of seeing progress in that work. When you're done threshing the field, you're done. For a lot of millennials, the combination of graduating during a recession with huge amounts of student debt and no steady job to pay it off has created a deep sense of futility. You end up with a lot of low-level jobs that bleed into each other, and it starts to feel like you're just checking items off a to-do list without getting anywhere. It's like you're on a treadmill. It's never going to end. You're doing all the things you were supposed to do, but you're never going to hit any of these markers that mean something to you, to society, to your family. You can barely pay the interest on your loans, let alone the principal. You're never going to reach adulthood. 
eventually the feeling t- trickles into the rest of your life. You get to a point where you think, well, if I drop off my dry cleaning, then I'll have one more thing to do. I call this errand paralysis. And millennials get a lot of blame for these things. There's an idea that this is actually their fault because they decided to go into debt. I call this the retributive view, that if someone has debt, they messed up. It was either a moral failure or an intelligence failure. People will tell them, well, you could have lived on less. And that's true. They could have eaten nothing but ramen noodles and cans of black beans through college. They could have only four items of clothing, but if you want to find a job, it's helpful to have social connections, especially if you're a woman. Whether it's trying to dress at a certain level or buying running shoes so you can keep your body in a certain way, there's an abundance of data on how much harder it is to get employment if you don't conform to certain standards. And all of these things cost money. So I think the retributive view misses a lot. It's easy to say you shouldn't have done that without thinking about the calculus that goes into some of those decisions. Wealth Simple is by no means the only robo-advisor on the market. I checked out the websites of several competitors, including Wealthfront, Betterment, and Wealthbar. Each of them had blogs or areas simply called articles that were okay. They were basically talking about product features and some of the top-level investment advice, but nothing that brought human stories to life anywhere near as powerfully as Wealthsimple magazine. This doesn't always mean interviewing people but just being very mindful of what's going on through your customers' minds. I haven't even gotten to mention until now another section in Wealth Simple magazine called Dear Miss Etiquette, which acts as a sort of advice column about the many awkward and uncomfortable situations that relate to money, such as how much to tip people on holidays, and whether it's really such a big deal to abuse your expense account at work. Rather than advertising, many, if not most, stories on Wealth Simple magazine are prefaced by the following sentence. Wealth Simple is an investing service that uses technology to put your money to work like the world's smartest investors. I thought this was a really good approach and one that a surprising number of owned media properties don't do. Even though people could be landing on their content through a search query, and people might have no idea what the publisher of the content does. There is, however, a section on Wealth Simple magazine simply called News, and this is where you find out the more traditional goings-on at the firm, including its latest ad campaign and a new app it recently launched. When I visited Wealth Simple magazine in the process of making this episode, the top story was, Wealth Simple Cash is here! And I completely understand why this kind of story is included but it's at such an opposite end of the rest of the magazine's content that I almost feel like it needs to be sectioned off in a different way or somehow served up differently. If you were a newcomer to Wellsimple Magazine, for example, and weren't yet ready to become a customer, you'd probably be moving past it as quickly as possible, like I did, to get to the good stuff. Of course, if you're already a customer, seeing that story and those like it might make you feel like you're part of a community. So maybe we'll see publications like this where there can be different content experiences served up based on where you sit in the customer journey. Storytelling that directly promotes the business versus content that supports the audience is always a tricky balancing act, of course. And in general, I think Wealth Simple Magazine handles it well. This is a publication that, once you dive in, 
pay some pretty good dividends over time. If you enjoy listening to this episode, please subscribe on whatever service you use to get the best podcasts. I'm always open to feedback as well as suggestions for other examples of owned media I should critique. Send your ideas or comments my way via email at schickmedia at gmail.com or on social media like Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram. This podcast is recorded in beautiful Toronto, Canada, and is only possible thanks to all the brands that pay me to help them create content that serves the needs of their communities. This has been Shane Schick for the Owned Media Observer. Thanks for listening.